definitely heard a lot about the USO, the underwater, what are the underwater swimming objects, I guess, or submerged. Uh, or submerged swimming. <laughs> swimming. <laughs> yeah, identified. Un- unidentified submerged. Object. Yes, yes. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Not swimming. Yes. I'm sorry. The hybrids I know all have a particular mission here to do the work that their species would really like to see done here on Earth to help humanity to evolve to upgrade our consciousness, uh, trying to help people evolve enough so that we can eventually ascend as a humanity to a higher dimension. And that humanity would do so much better if we could go to the fourth dimension or particularly to go to the fifth dimension. There would be so much more cooperation and kindness and helpfulness and love and um, bringing about decent outcomes in the world. I feel like my grandma's telling me bedtime stories. You know, I could listen to y'all. <laughs> uh, um, hi, welcome to Journey to Truth podcast. My name is Tyler Koala with Aaron Kuhn. And tonight we have on a very special guest, uh, Barbara Lamb. Barbara Lamb is a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, and regression therapist. Is that correct, Barbara? Yes, yes. Um, uh, uh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. We've been looking forward to this one. Um, Me too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very exciting. Uh, I had the pleasure of being regressed by Barbara, um, I believe, in 2017. And it was uh, it was amazing. I, w- I had been following her work prior to that and uh, since then. And it's just an honor to have you on. And for those of you who don't, for the listeners who don't know who uh, you are, do you want to maybe give a little uh, brief background of yourself and how you got into this whole ET, uh, this, the ET uh, aspect of your work? Okay. Well, I became licensed as a psychotherapist back in the mid-1970s and never dreamed that I'd be doing anything like this. Uh, I was doing pretty standard therapy work and that was very rewarding. And then in the mid-1980s, by that, that time I had become convinced that we have many previous lifetimes. And so I started five years of training as a past life regression therapist. And that was extremely interesting work. I'm still doing past life regressions. And then in 1991, the first person came to me who had had lots and lots of visits, encounters with unusual beings who were not human beings. And uh, they were beings from somewhere else in space. In other words, extraterrestrials and with that first person who came we did six regressions to those experiences and she went from being extremely frightened and traumatized by these visits to feeling good about them believe it or not she actually came in for her last session saying 
oh, I feel privileged and honored that these unusual beings have chosen me to visit. And she was looking forward to more of their encounters. So that gave me courage to be open to working with anybody else who might come, not expecting that anybody would. But as it turned out, there have been more than 2,000 additional people, including you, Tyler. Yes, I'm honored. Who come for regressions to their extraterrestrial encounter experiences. Uh, so, and some of those people have been able to come quite a number of times because they lived geographically within an hour or so of where I am in California. And so some of those people uh, came for 20 regressions or 30 or 40 or 50 or even 60. Oh my gosh. And so it's been about 3,800 regressions to extraterrestrial encounters that I have conducted. And with every single person, I just feel so honored and privileged myself to assist them in knowing what has been happening for them. And I've learned a lot along the way about some of these other beings and about the whole phenomenon. So my interest now, all these years later, since 1991, is just as keen as it ever was. And I keep learning new things because people keep having different experiences and sometimes with beings that I've never been aware of before. So my knowledge about all this just keeps expanding. It's very exciting. Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. Awesome. Especially, uh, so what do you what would you say to people who are still, uh, I guess, questioning even the existence of ETs in general? And and you know, after what you said, over three thousand people, you've you've had to come up with some tor- some type of conclusion. And so, in your eyes, what would you say to somebody who doesn't believe? I'm just curious. Oh yes, well, I can totally appreciate why somebody really doubts that this sort of thing exists at all that that we have there are extraterrestrial beings who come and visit humans and do a variety of things with humans because that's the way i was i i didn't think you know through the 1980s i didn't think there was anything to this and i thought it was science fiction to be totally truthful with you sure but once somebody started coming and we did these regressions and the person the young woman in this case the first one um and she was so convinced that this was real these things really really happened and we got so many details of those encounters too and so then i had to really open my mind and it has been opened ever since Of course, since 1991, too, I have been speaking at many, many conferences that deal with the whole UFO extraterrestrial subject, and I have given many, many lectures, 
and met tons of people who've had these encounters. Uh, so there's just no doubt in my mind now, but I can appreciate why somebody would really wonder if this could be truly happening. And it is. No, oh, I, well, I think we both can agree to that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> especially, you know, we all have experiences, um, Aaron and I, you know, everybody, the reason we're doing this stuff is because we've had profound experiences and we want to talk about it. Uh, Good. Good. You know, and, and people need to hear about it. Uh, and I think it's going to slowly start catching on. Uh, you were just saying a couple minutes ago that there's a lot of recent activity in California, uh, UFOs, yep. correct? Oh, yes. Uh, people have sightings all the time. I uh, belong to one of the MUFON groups uh, in San Diego, where I am, and um, very frequently at the monthly meetings, uh, members of the group report sightings that they have had, and they don't expect to have them necessarily. They're not out looking for them, but just when driving along in the car or walking along or really through their window sometimes, uh, they will have a sighting of a UFO. And it always seems to be exciting. In other words, it's something that really gets their attention and makes an impact. And here in Southern California, of course, we have the Pacific Ocean very, very nearby. And many people will see crafts coming up out of the ocean, uh, rapidly coming up and dripping off water of course, as they're above the water and flying off into the air and disappearing into space. Or sometimes they see a craft, uh, like a disc-shaped craft, coming down at an angle and plunging very cleanly into the water. It reminds me of a an Olympic diver, mm-hmm. where they dive off the high, bo- high board and go into the pool water with barely a splash. That's how it is described that these UFOs come along over the Pacific and dive into the ocean. It's it's quite remarkable. And not only that, but over the years, I have regressed several people who in their ET encounters were taken to an undersea facility uh, full of extraterrestrials. And whatever happened there uh, happened in that underground facility. So I think there's a lot more of that activity going on in our Earth oceans than we can even imagine. And then, of course, many people are taken onto the crafts, which seem to fly upwards and out into space uh, for their particular encounter experiences. Yeah, I've I've definitely heard a lot about the USO, the underwater, what are they, underwater swimming objects, I guess, or? Submerged. uh, Submerged swimming. (laughs) Swimming. (laughs) Yeah. Sea objects, USO. Okay. Yeah. Unidentified. Unidentified submerged. Yes, yes. There you go. Yeah, there you go. 
Uh, yes. Undersea. <laughs> Not swimming. Yes. I'm sorry. Anyway, we're undersea. And one of my clients, whom I regressed probably 10 years ago, a woman, uh, she was taken out from inland in Southern California. She was taken out over the ocean and then lowered down to where there was a being swimming in the ocean. And he was built like a very strong, muscular human man, but he was actually quite different in looks. He was an extraterrestrial. And so she was lowered down into the ocean from a craft, a small craft in the air. And then this being who was already swimming in the ocean took hold of her and safely somehow uh, took her down into that undersea facility uh, full of other extraterrestrial beings. And she was perfectly safe. She didn't uh, she didn't start to drown or anything. I don't know how he did that, but um, she was escorted very safely to that facility and escorted back out again into the air at the top of the ocean and then taken by that small craft back to her home. It's probably, they probably use a similar technology that they use on the craft. It's, it's just like an energy field that this almost like displaces the water. So they're not going through the water. It's just, they've created their own atmosphere essentially for the craft. I wonder if the beings themselves have some type of, uh, advanced advancement about them that allows them to create a field that maybe someone can be safe in or they can breathe in. I don't know. That's, just... that's a great point. Um, and I've certainly wondered about this and so has this woman who experienced it. She described the going down through the ocean um, as if it was kind of like going down through an invisible tunnel. In other words, there seemed to be air in a tunnel-shaped tube-like. Sure, like a tube, yeah. That, um, it, she said there wasn't, there didn't seem to be a physical tube that she was taken down through, but that's what it seemed like because she was able to breathe in that passageway going down to the the undersea facility. Wow, that's wow. awesome. And then um, we went a few summers to Hawaii, to the Big Island, and um, uh, helped to facilitate some workshops there. And uh, with Joan Ocean, who does wonderful. I just, <laughs> I, I just got back from uh, swimming with the dolphins with Joan uh, two oh, weeks ago. With yeah. Joan Ocean. Oh, wonderful. Joan Ocean. Yeah. Oh, I did that for about five years in a row several years ago and um when we weren't out there swimming with dolphins a couple of miles off the coast of the big island uh, we were having seminars and i was doing regressions and that's where especially i had uh, the most people i did regressions with who had had those undersea ufo experiences yeah, and Joan actually has photographs of some of these undersea undersea objects. Uh, some of them look like craft. Some of them look like plasma balls, uh, orbs. Um, one of them, she said, she actually 
was able to swim into and um that she came up out of the water her and everybody else and they came up out of the water but when they looked underwater they couldn't see their body it was almost like it's some time anomaly or something oh, uh, but like they could swim into it and their their arm would disappear when they put their arm in it and they pulled out um oh. yeah wow. it was yeah it was really cool and she was explaining it uh it's, it sounds fantastical i know but i mean when these people are telling you the stories and they they've all the people who are there are all experiencing it together you know you can feel their energy and you can tell they're not making it up and it's really it, it'll give you chills when you hear them talking about it yeah uh it's just oh. really cool to hear stuff like that that's thrilling to know about thank you so much for sharing that and um my last trip out there I think it was the very last day uh, that I was out there swimming with dolphins from a boat with several of us. And we we uh, just used snorkels. So pretty much we stayed at the surface. And But I was on the surface looking down into the ocean. And um, twice that day, I saw what looked like a beautiful, transparent, and translucent orb, of a small one about the size, one was about the size of a baseball, I would say. Sure. But it was just clear, and because the sun was shining down through the, the top of the ocean there, um, this, it looked like a glass ball. I, I don't think it was glass, but that's what it looked like. And it was reflecting beautiful rainbow colors with the sun shining down on it through the water. And I was so entranced and I just watched it just sort of drifting down slowly, undulating and drifting down until it was so deep that it was out of sight. And I was just breathless. I don't know what this is, but it was really special and beautiful. And then a couple of minutes later, I saw another one floating nearby and it too did that sort of undulating movement and just slowly going down until it too was uh, out of sight. So I don't know what those were, but I I think there are mysteries really all around us in the ocean and in the air, uh, in the skies that um, we usually don't see. But when we do, it is so special. And part of that specialness, I think, is that we can't explain them. Now, we don't really, really know what they are, but it seems very magical, very inspiring. Absolutely, yeah. If, if you you said it perfectly, because we can't explain it, you know, you walk outside and you're like, you hear an airplane, you don't even look, you know, because you can explain it. You have no reason to look. But when you don't know, yeah, it, is, it, it does inspire you, motivates you. It might even uh, activate something within you. Uh, yes. You know, it, yes, and, I think that's true. Yeah. I'm, in fact, you know, I think that generally speaking, that the people who are having extraterrestrial encounters personally, they really are involved that they are blessed in a certain way. Now, what I've just said may be 
disagreed with with some people who have had very frightening experiences with certain kinds of extraterrestrials. And indeed, there are many, many different species of extraterrestrials that come here and interact with some people. And some of them seem to be more serving of themselves and seem to be investigating us and uh, poking and probing and doing various physical things that people generally do not like and do not appreciate. And I think that we need to try to understand that. I think that there are some species that really want to know who we are and what makes us tick and what is our physiology that is different than theirs. And um, so they're studying us, some of these species, really studying, investigating us. And, you know, frankly, I think that if we humans had a chance to go to another planet, some of us would want to study them, even their physiology, their physical makeup and so forth. And some beings seem to be very, very interested in our emotions. It seems like all of the species that I have known about from these regressions, and that's probably at least 60 or 70 different species, different kinds of beings, that they don't seem to have emotion, or at least not to the vivid extent that we humans have emotion. And that seems to be a real fascination to them. In fact, some of those beings like to create hybrid beings. And one of the reasons why they like to mix their genetics with our genetics to create hybrids that live with them um, is because by being partly human, those hybrids would have some emotion. So some of the species have actually said in the regressions, uh, they've said that they regret that they don't have the capacity for emotion. And they look at humans and they see that our emotions have a lot to do with our various forms of arts and music and all kinds of creativity. And that if it weren't for having strong emotion, we might not be expressing creativity nearly to the extent that we as a human species do. So some of the extraterrestrial species think that, you know, they could really gain by having some of our components. And emotion is one of them. Uh, another one would be, you know, all this creativity and artistic ability uh, that we have, that they realize that in comparison to us, um, their species, wherever they live, whichever planet they're on, um, is, is rather well plain, you know, compared to ours. I mean, our culture is, is very vivid. And of course, we take that for granted. Yeah music and art and dance and, you know, all kinds of expressive arts and theater acting and 
cinema, acting, television, acting, um, that we create these stories to entertain. Well, it seems like, from what I can tell, is that these other species don't have anything like that. And they're quite intrigued that we do, and they would like some of that for themselves. Well, uh, one of the things I understand is that, so we are a free will planet, and many of the other planets where these species come from, these beings come from, uh, I don't believe they're, they have the, they can act in free will as we can, and that actually limits them to an extent, and that's part of the reason they are fascinated with us. So yeah. we don't have, we don't have anything, but the problem with free will planet is you can, the negative is allowed to come in, or, or you know, you're allowed to be angry and hurt somebody or whatever, but, you know, so, because we don't have that rule to abide by. Uh, right. So I think that's, that just, uh, touching on what you, you were getting at as far as why they're so fascinated. That might be uh, part of it. Yes, very, very good point. And then uh, some of them have claimed to be very interested in our souls and what, what happens to our souls through a lifetime and then what happens to the soul after we leave a physical lifetime. Of course, this is of uh, substantial interest to many of us humans as well. Uh, so I don't know if that means that they don't know about their own souls continuing after death or if they don't have souls. But then through other sources, um, through near-death experiences and uh, channeled material from the afterlife, shall we say, um, it seems like uh, that there are souls of extraterrestrials that go into that next plane. And so I have asked some people who've communicated from the other side, um, I've said, do you have a chance to meet souls in that realm who are extraterrestrial? And some people who have had contact with the extraterrestrials when they were alive here on Earth, uh, they've said, yes, yes, we can. If we look for it, if we look for them, we can find them and interact with them. I think that's fascinating. So when I get there to the other side, um, I, I would like to explore that. Yeah, absolutely. And then if I would have a chance somehow to communicate that back to interested people on Earth, that would be even better. That yes. and I, I well, go ahead, Aaron. You haven't been able to chime in much. Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, that's yeah, um, absolutely agree. Yeah, that's that's really interesting that that um, many of them are interested in our in our souls and. Um, yeah, whether that means they don't have one or or they just don't know that they have one. Um, but I think just like there's so many different types of extraterrestrials, I think um, you get every every level of like in as much ignorance as we are, or even more so to all the way up to you know they 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 do know about their souls and the higher planes and everything and. Um, but yeah, that is fascinating. Absolutely. 
You know, I've, I've learned, too, from one particular extraterrestrial who channeled for about 11 years through my longest term experiencer client, um, this being who lives on the binary star system, which we call Antares. It's on our star mm-hmm. maps. And he said that their whole way of life is is so different from ours. And that's one of the reasons why they are interested in us. But in their way of living, a person or a being um, comes into life on that planet, extraterrestrial from our point of view, and that being comes in for a particular reason. In other words, there's a mission that that being knows about that he or she has chosen to do in that lifetime. And because they have a specific mission, they live as long as it takes to accomplish that mission. So some of them may take a few hundred years to accomplish the mission. And they would live, of course, a couple of hundred years in order to get that completed. And then when they feel that they have completed the mission they came from, they will tell their fellow beings, their family beings and and others who know them, tell them that they have completed their mission. And then that whole group will give them a celebrative party. And it's sort of a, well, a combination of a birthday party and a farewell party, because after the party, with everybody knowing that this one is through with the mission and therefore is getting toward being through with that lifetime, the being will simply leave, will leave the body for good. Presumably that being goes into some sort of afterlife experience. Um, But isn't it interesting? Now, some people would say that we humans do that too. And I think that there are definitely cases that we could point to where somebody has come to really do uh, some sort of ground-breaking job here on Earth and really pave the way for something new or or whatever, um, or just to be a success if that's what that soul had decided it wanted to do in this lifetime. And when that is accomplished, the person physically dies. So, I mean, I know people like that, including my own brother, who during their lifetime described what they thought they really wanted to accomplish. And once they had accomplished it, well, they had a heart attack suddenly or whatever and died. That's, so that's... We do that too. It's just that they, they're more conscious about that mm-hmm. in this other race of, of beings that I've just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. They're, so they're they're essentially having a graduation, and, and you know we're yes. on Earth. On Earth, we mourn the death. We mourn that leaving. Uh, so it's it's definitely you know they have to have some type of awareness of it in order to say farewell. Um, yes. 
And if we could all get on that level of thinking, imagine, you know, we, we can view death as just a new beginning, you know, or a completion. Yes. Yeah. Which is what it is. Along with these studies about the extraterrestrials and these intriguing experiences, um, I've been very, very, very interested in the near-death experiences and um, information that is uh, channeled back from the next realm, the afterlife. And um, I think it all kind of goes together as, as one big field of interest that a big puzzle. It all goes together. It really does. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, so many human beings do not have that perspective and suffer because of it, because they mourn the death of their loved ones and anybody they know. And, um, and they fear death and they'll cling on to life as long as they possibly can. And, um, and, and that's a shame because I think it doesn't really have to be seen that way. Yeah. Exactly. So I think have something to learn from these other beings. That's, uh, yeah, you... To learn from them because um, many of the beings are so unconditionally loving. They're, unlo- they're unconditionally loving to each other in their own species and some of them are unconditionally loving to the humans whom they have encounters with and these humans really feel that and they feel that lovingness and they also realize that no matter who they have in their life or no matter how loving their own parents or their own spouse or their own children might be, that it still does not come up to the enormous amount of really unconditional love that some of these extraterrestrial beings have. So that's not to say that all extraterrestrial beings are loving or express that to the humans they encounter, but but indeed many of them do and and that is wonderful to know in my opinion yeah yeah, yeah. so i have heard that i have heard that a lot as well good yeah. good some of these beings um in fact quite a number of them have created hybrid beings and the hybrid beings whom i have particularly come to know and and made a study of and wrote a book about with Miguel Mendonca, a wonderful man from England. Uh, We wrote the book, Meet the Hybrids. And these hybrids, there were eight of them, uh, mentioned very, very thoroughly and interviewed in this book. Um, They've all been hybridized. In other words, they were born here on earth from a regular mother and regular father born in the way that all of us are born. And so the hybridization happened in two major ways. Um, In some cases, the human mother was pregnant from the human father. And during the pregnancy, the woman was taken on board by extraterrestrials. 
and injected through her abdomen, through the wall of the uterus and into the fetus. In other words, the fetus was injected um, with extraterrestrial DNA. And in the case of these women uh, and men, uh, these hybrids, that they were injected with a combination of three or more different species of extraterrestrials, not just one type of extraterrestrial. So that's the way that most of them became hybridized. And then um, there were a couple of them who um, were hybridized in a slightly different way, and that is that the mother, who was not pregnant, was taken for an encounter, taken on board, and then she had a little embryo placed inside her womb in that encounter, and that embryo had been created by the extraterrestrials by having taken eggs from the mother's ovaries previously and sperm taken previously from the human father and then mixed with their genetics, extraterrestrial genetics and reproductive material, combining a new little embryo, which was already hybridized. And then that was uh, surgically implanted in the human mother's womb. And so in all of these cases, the mothers carried these babies full term. And as I said, they were born in the regular way that we humans give birth to our, our babies. So all of these hybrid babies grew up here on Earth right from the beginning of their lives. And they didn't know, any of them, for sure that they were hybrids until they were in their young adult years, or even in one case, she was age 35 before she realized. However, the interesting thing is that each one of these hybrids, when a very young child, felt very different, didn't look different, but felt very different than all the other children around them and all of their families or from anybody they saw here on Earth. And they didn't know why they felt so different. And they all had an unusual amount of psychic skills. They could do telepathic knowing of what other people were thinking. And they could do healing of themselves and healing of other humans and animals as well. And they could move things with their minds. Uh, they could medically, in some cases, see what was going on inside of a person. They could see auras, of course. That was a real easy one. Yeah. Anyway, they had these abilities. And in some cases, they had something a little bit different physically about them. For instance, one woman had thumbs that widened out substantially at the end of each of the two thumbs. Um, another woman had a, quite a different blood consistency that the testing labs had not seen in other people's blood. 
Um, another lady had a very different bone consistency. And another one had different muscle consistency, even to the extent that she was advised again and again not to be too active and not to participate in any sports because her muscles just wouldn't be able to handle it. So, oh, and one of our hybrid young men had one of the internal lower abdominal organs actually up in his chest area. So you see, physically, there's something a bit different about yeah. most of them. Some of them might not have had those differences, but yeah. the abilities and the awareness that that really kind of gives it away that there's something unusual about these people. And also, each one of these hybrids living here on Earth um, had for their whole lives and still continuingly um, have lots of encounters with the particular types of extraterrestrial beings who gave them their genetics. So they consider those beings their family, some their true family, their real family. And in most cases, they would say to their own parents and siblings, you are not my real family. My real family is out there in space. They're I, the ones I'm really part of, and my real home is out there in space. A friend so of mine, excuse me, I just want to jump in. A friend of mine, uh, her daughter tells her the same thing. She she tells her oh. she's like you're not she and she tells her you know you're not my real mom uh, and she and she's like uh, I hope you're not mad at me but when I when they take me I don't want to come back like she feels more at home there yes uh, yes it's it's fascinating to hear her story sorry to interrupt I just I just just well, made me that, think of that you know, um, if you if you would uh, please tell your friend who has that child that if the child or the mother or the father ever would like to talk to somebody further about that, um, I am definitely available. Yeah, and I will do that, very, actually. Very interested. Yeah, I am meeting um, other people now and then who uh, feel that they are hybrids. And we are just beginning now, uh, I and two men are beginning a DNA testing program um, with the hybrids whom we know. I know of about 15 people who I consider are most likely hybrids. Um, the eight in the book and then a few others, um, you know, whom I've met and done some regressions with and think there's really good reason to think that they might be hybrids. And I'm always very open to meeting more. And the more that they can know that they are hybrids, the better, I think, because the hybrids I know all have a particular mission here, and they consider themselves ambassadors between their kinds of ET beings and humanity. And they all feel that they are here to do the work that their species of extraterrestrials would really like to see done here on earth to help humanity so 
they all feel very strongly that they are here to do what they can to help humanity to evolve, to upgrade our consciousness. And that is a mighty mission. So all of these hybrids whom I know are doing work uh, which facilitates that mission. In other words, they're teaching classes and workshops and giving lectures, giving interviews, um, trying to educate people about raising their frequencies. And some of them are even uh, trying to help people evolve enough so that we can eventually ascend as a humanity to a higher dimension. You know what's interesting is I, I wrote down some questions I wanted to ask you. And you've just about answered all of them without even me having to. The Ascension was one of them. I wanted to hear your thoughts on Ascension, but you just kind of, you just said, you know, that's exactly, exactly what I expected you to say about it. But I was just curious. Uh, it's just well, interesting. Things, um, who are mentoring uh, these hybrids, um, they, they know that there are higher planes of existence. Uh, different dimensions, we call them, or frequencies, and that humanity would do so much better um, if we could go to the next higher dimension, the fourth dimension, or particularly to go to the fifth dimension from the third dimension that, of course, we live in. And uh, we would be able to have lives like we do. And... Um, but there would be so much more cooperation and kindness and helpfulness and love and um, bringing about decent outcomes in the world uh, compared to our third dimension where we have a lot of dysfunction and negative things happening. Although we have a lot of good things happening too. We're not a total loss, but... Um, a lot of these beings who have created the hybrids would really like to see uh, a general upgrading. So these hybrids feel like one of their purposes of being here is to be a bridge, a liaison between humans and the extraterrestrials and to educate people about the fact that these other beings of many, many types uh, do exist on many of the other planets. And of course, they realize, as we all do, that there aren't really a large uh, segment of the public um, that is really dedicated to learning about this sort of thing, about the other beings, the other civilizations and the other dimensions. More and more people are uh, becoming aware of all this, which I think is very good. Um, but we've got a long way to go. And, of course, we know that our governments of these big nations um, have not come right out and announced that, yes, all of this is true. And also there seems to be a lot of influence toward negativity about the extraterrestrials. You know, in, in a lot of our movies and uh, television series and 
so forth, books, etc. That um, there's a lot of fear that's created about the other beings being hostile and being a threat to Earth. And it may be that there are some who are a threat to Earth, but I think they are far outweighed by the beings who are be very benevolent towards humanity and towards Earth and would like to see us really get our act together and improve to a better Earth society. I think you're 100% right. Yeah, you just nailed it on the head. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, that's one of the things that comes up in all, all these podcasts. You know, we're trying to like let people know, like you have this time to start waking up to this reality. Good for you. You know, it's it's very wonderful that you're doing these interviews and and letting people who've really looked into it um, have a chance to express themselves about this. It's part of that. Uh, overall education that I think we human beings really need uh, because this is a reality that we're not only not alone in the universe but we're accompanied although at a, a great distance we're accompanied by an in, innumerable amount of different species of very intelligent life most of that life out there may be much more intelligent than we are and we can learn from them and benefit from them so it, it's great the more that people know about this i think the better off we are yeah so absolutely for doing what yes. you do yeah um and you said uh one of the hybrids didn't find out till they were 35 that they were a hybrid well i'm 30 i'll be 33 aaron how old are you 32 yeah. 32. Hey, so we oh, still have time. Good ages. Uh, wonderful ages. <laughs> Aaron, you should, uh, you should totally uh, look into getting regressed, getting a regression done with her. Um, you might find out. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've had dream experiences also. I would love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We can do that. Oh, because thank you so much. Do that. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. I've, been, I've been kind of wanting to anyway. Um, well, you know, when somebody is geographically far away from where I am in Southern California, uh, we can do a regression on Skype. Okay. With a visual. Okay. It's important for me to, to see the person and uh, see how the breathing is and uh, see how they're doing during the actual reliving of the encounter experience that you would choose to relive. relive. So... Uh, Skype visual is is a good way to do that. Right. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, that would yeah. be amazing. Yes. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear. Um, how far is where's Dimensions of Disclosure this year? Is that uh, how far is that from San it's Diego? Be in Ventura, which is I think just north of LA. Oh, okay, I was gonna say he's gonna be in that area later this year anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's in August. I'll be there actually. Oh, very good. Well, maybe we can get together. So if you want to do an in-person one. <laughs> yeah, that, on I that. definitely prefer the in-person regressions, but when that's yeah. just not possible, because uh, I, I'll do Skype, because uh, sometimes 
times I have people from Europe or Canada or um, all over the world all over you know who would like very much to have that experience and yeah I just recently did one with a, a woman who was in Italy and before that um, a woman who was in Germany and just as long as Skype holds up <laughs> we yeah. can can do that so yeah that is awesome. really wonderful yeah so one of the things I wanted to bring up uh, to to people listening to this so the very first video I had ever seen of you, Barbara, was the one where you had the hybrids that you're talking about come on stage oh, and, yes. and talk about their their experience as a hybrid. And they had drawn pictures of what their family looks like and you know what they yes. look like and uh, outside of the human body. I was that was one of the biggest catalysts in my awakening and when i saw that and when you hear these see these people come forward um i just recommend that everybody check that out and i know it's available on openminds.com it's not it's hard to find on youtube i can't find it on youtube but openminds.com uh, type in barbara lamb and uh that video should pop up and it is incredible if you want to see these hybrids talk and tell their story it's 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 life-changing. It's life-changing. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you told me about that, too, as well as the audience, because um, that lecture I gave at the International UFO Congress, which is a really big, wonderful uh, conference, and that was in 2016. And since then, I have never seen a replay of that lecture. But I want to very much because six of our hybrids who live here on Earth um, uh, had a chance to speak for themselves in in my lecture. I gave kind of a preamble about the whole thing, and then they six of them out of the eight uh, were able to be there for that conference in person and say what they wanted to say about their own experience of being a hybrid. And there were some people in the audience um, whom I know who took photos of those hybrids. And um, they all had a big glow of light around their heads that showed up in the photos. Wow. One of them, Cynthia Crawford, was just completely covered in the brightest white light. You, you could... Wow. You couldn't, it, it covered from above her head through her whole body and below her feet so that you wouldn't even know there was a person standing there talking. That, that's how much light she was glowing with. And wow. other big splotches of light, too, showing in front of them. So there really was something going on there that was very special. They were definitely emitting a very high energy. Well, you can feel the energy when you watch it, or at least I could. I mean, I remember my jaw was just like on the floor the whole time uh, because prior prior to that, you know, you always watch the UFO stuff on TV, but I had never gotten any like firsthand knowledge about this stuff or information, I should say. And it was really, really profound. I recommend it for everyone. Oh, well, thank you for that. And I'm glad yeah. I'll look at it too. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> Sometimes after a few years, it's 
it's really interesting for me to see um, what I said back then, because I, I've always learned so much more since an earlier lecture. And it's interesting for me to see what I was able to share then. And in this case, of course, I want to hear what the hybrids share. Oh, yeah, you want to go back and listen to what they said, sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. Because when I was on the stage, um, I had to use a timer so that we could fit everybody in yeah. to the slot. And uh, the timer wasn't working. And I, I was so distracted with fiddling with the timer and thinking, how, how, how can I set this to work properly? And, and finally just gave up on it. <laughs> but so in other words i wasn't listening as keenly as i would like to have oh i see what you're saying you were distracted okay yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately that website does charge you a couple dollars to rent it it's not available for free i have scoured the internet for another version another copy of it available anywhere that's the only place i can find it um, so unfortunately it costs a couple dollars, I think three or $4, uh, to rent it for 48 hours. Um, if you have a screen record option, there's a screen record app, uh, you can get for your computer or your iPad. You can, you could essentially record it that way. Uh, if you rented it and wanted to keep it. So, Oh, I would like to, but I have no idea of technically having it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very low tech. Sure. I'm, hey, well, you're doing pretty good, I would say. I'm very I'm high cosmically and spiritually, but very low tech, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what's important anyway. You know, it, it, typically in our world, it's flip flopped. Everyone's high tech, but they're low spiritually. So you have that's it right. Okay. Don't worry. You got it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Thank you. That's encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so. Any are, questions that you might have? Aaron, you got any questions for? I, I have plenty um, for you, Aaron. Do you yeah, have anything to uh, ask? a couple, actually. Um, first one, have you ever been doing like a past life regression on someone and then they, um, like a past ET life will come up where they, they had a past life as an ET, like on another planet? Yes, yes. I've had several of those. In fact, they started happening before I even knew that there was such a thing as extraterrestrial beings. So this is in, back in the 1980s when I was doing a lot of past life regression therapy. And um, yeah, there were several instances where somebody in the regression found themselves as a very different type of being on another planet. And, um, oh boy, were those interesting to me. And, <laughs> and then in a couple of cases, um, the person being regressed went back to a lifetime of being an extraterrestrial being who had come to Earth to visit Earth, not to do an abduction, but just to visit Earth and see what Earth was like. And in both of those regressions to different people, um, for some reason they could not get back to the craft that they had come in. Or in one case, uh, they, the craft wouldn't work and they weren't able to fly away. So um, mm -hmm. 
eventually happened is that they died here. And then eventually in another lifetime, they incarnated as the human that they are now in this lifetime. Wow, very interesting. That's, so that's the very uh... first one that came up like that. Um, and of course, I was totally surprised. Uh, the woman who was an ongoing therapy client I had uh, had been wondering for quite a while why she always seemed to be angry or at least very quick to go into an anger response about things. And her family and her friend would say, why are you always so angry? And it was sort of a mystery to her. I mean, her life wasn't that bad or abusive, you know, to have a lot of anger. So we did a regression one day. Um, this was probably about 1985 and um, did a regression to the source of her pattern of being angry. So that was a very open question. What is the source of this anger problem you have? You know, expecting that she would go to something earlier in this life or maybe a previous lifetime. Mm -hmm. So what happened is she did go to a previous lifetime, but she was a different kind of being on a different planet. Uh. The planet itself was very dull, sort of grayish brown, everything on it, not much vegetation, not much of anything. It was very plain and dull, gray brown. And she, as a being, a tall, thin being, had gray brown skin and no hair. She you know, obviously was not a human yeah. planet. And she, in that lifetime, got very bored. And she was thinking, there must be some place in the cosmos where life is more interesting than this. Yeah. And so she <laughs> she <laughs> looked around and, and um, found out eventually that there was this planet which the people on it called planet Earth. And it, it was a very colorful planet. You know, blues and greens and browns and white clouds. And and uh, anyway, uh, it looked interesting. She was able to see through uh, one of their telescopic mechanisms somehow. And, um, and she heard that the beings on that planet Earth, you know, were, oh, had very uh, exciting lives, very vivid. They felt all kinds of things. So she died in that lifetime. And then when she reincarnated, she reincarnated as a human on this other planet, planet Earth. And that incarnation happened back in the days of the sultans who ran the Middle East part of our world, young woman uh, with darker skin and, and very dark hair. And um, she was considered such a beauty in her teenage years that she was given by her family to the sultan of that region, given as a young bride. So she became the bride. There were other wives too. And they lived in sort of a harem 
situation. And for quite a while, for a few years, she was the favorite wife of the Sultan and was very privileged at all kinds of perks because she was the favorite wife among all the others. And uh, the others were sort of envious of her, but they, they got along well enough. And then when she got a little bit older, several years older, another young woman came in as a younger bride. And then she, that younger one became the favorite of the Sultan. And this one was sort of relegated to be just one of the other many 20 or 30 wives that the Sultan had. And she did not like that. She mm. was angry. She was angry and expressed that anger a lot. And eventually she was executed because of her anger, because of her expressions of uh -huh. anger so frequently. So she died being angry. And wow, that's right over to her. Then she had other incarnations Next lies, yep. a few hundred years ago and then came back eventually into this lifetime as a young woman who was just angry right from the very beginning, not knowing why. Man, that it's so it's so interesting to hear that perspective because a lot of our problems stem from past life traumas like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just something that's been so far removed from our society that the, even the possibility of even having lived past lives, you know, it's not mainstream knowledge. So, so yeah. you never, you'll never, you may never get to the core of the problem. And I want to add also, I have blown away at how many of the, you've done 3000 cases and the details that you remember. I don't oh, know how, yeah. you, I don't know how you retain all of this stuff. I mean, it, you're just, it's that's just amazing. like a. It's just like a bank of information, and you're you're just just tapping into as you're talking. Uh, yes. Man, I can hardly remember somebody's name sometimes. You yes. Know. <laughs> well, there are certain ones that really stand out. Uh, yeah, I do remember a lot of them, and some of them uh, I might have to look at my notes to uh, remember. As soon as I start reading the notes, oh yeah, I remember this one. You know. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. triggers so something. Just, just there ready to to think about again which yeah. is because they're so so interesting I mean the important thing really about all this I think is that um, the work the regression work seems to be for the most part really helpful for the person and that's why I do it because um, I'm a therapist because I want to be helpful to people and um, it, it just happens also that this is all very, very interesting and material that I think it helps us as a society to know about, to know about this part of reality that we have not considered to be part of reality. Oh, yeah. And you're and you're here on the surface, you know, uh, executing your mission, you know, every day by doing this. Yeah. Uh, you have a very it's very clear your path is very clear you help you've helped a lot of people and that's that's not by accident that's you know no. that's there's there's a reason you're doing what you're doing and <laughs> and every person that every client or of yours is essentially activated uh when they leave 
you know, they have, they have a new understanding of their own life and of life in general and of the history of the planet and just, and whatever else. So it's, it's, it's very important what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and uh, people um, sometimes take varying amounts of time to sort of integrate uh, what's what they have found out in the regression. Uh, but it always has that aspect of enlightenment to it. Like, the oh, oh, that's what that was about. Oh, that's what, that's what happened after I had that close UFO sighting. Or that's, that's why I have those unusual markings on my body. Yeah. Or that's, that's where I got the implant put in my body. Or, oh, that's what happened during that period of time that was missing that one particular day or night. Or, oh, that's why I keep looking up at the sky, why I've been so interested in the other planets and stars. I, I never knew why that was. Nobody else in my family is interested, but I am, you know, that type of thing. There are lots of little, uh, like little lights going off. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that even if the experience that somebody revisits in regression is negative, in other words, the extraterrestrial beings did some procedures that maybe they did not like having done, because that does happen sometimes with some of them. But I realize as a therapist that it's more helpful to know what happened than to live with the stress and the wondering why a person is so stressed or so anxious or so fearful or whatever. It's better to know what the reason is and then they can deal with it. They can learn how to deal with it. They can integrate it and uh, make more peace with it, which they couldn't do when they didn't even know, you know, what had happened. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think it's it's worth people's pursuing this. Unfortunately, we have the method of doing hypnotic regression that can help a person go back to the details of one of those experiences they wonder about. And I always stress to people that they have a a very strong subconscious part of the mind. And the subconscious part of the mind is can be very, very helpful because it records everything that we experienced in any way. Even the subconscious mind records those things that have happened to us that we have not been consciously aware of, which is usually the case with these extraterrestrial encounters that most of the encounter the person is not aware of consciously. But the subconscious mind is aware and it records it and it retains it. And that's why in regression, when we go into a state of deep relaxation, which is what hypnosis is, 
and go into the subconscious part of the mind that we can relive moment by moment every moment of that experience even if the experience happened long ago decades ago uh, or in a previous lifetime yeah so it's wonderful we have this method and i think more to find out i think more and more people are uh are diving into that method you know people are looking into alternative ways of healing themselves and medicines and and uh you know hypnotherapy or regression is is one of those that people are starting to understand can really help so it's catching on i think it i think it's the wave of the future it's you know you're just at the front line of it all (laughs) yes yeah very exciting I, i feel very blessed and privileged and you know, you've heard of synchronicities, no doubt. Oh yeah. That are more than just coincidences, but or maybe we could say they're coincidences that coincidences that seem to be very meaningful mm-hmm. and even purposeful. So I look back and think, oh my goodness, I had so many synchronicities that led me to eventually doing this work. I mean, it's almost as if there was an orchestra leader saying, whoosh, now you experience this sort of thing. Whoosh, now it's time to experience this sort of thing. Whoosh, now it's time to meet this person. Whoosh, now it's time to know about this sort of thing. So that's what happened to me that Until 1981, I had heard of reincarnation, of course, and heard of previous lifetimes, but I didn't really believe it. I thought, oh, that's just some sort of primitive belief that people in India and various parts of the world believe in, but I didn't, and nobody I knew did. But in 1981, I went to Peru And at Machu Picchu, Peru, I had two, what I eventually learned to call spontaneous past life recalls. In other words, in being me there in 1981, suddenly in certain locations, I was overtaken by a certain feeling and a memory, a very, almost a tangible, distinct memory of having been there before as a very different person. In two cases there, I was a very dark-skinned, dark-haired male, one male and one a little female, little girl. And I remembered certain things about being there in those locations at Machu Picchu and and what my life was like. One of those was very dramatic where I was just frozen in fear and didn't understand that until, uh, well, a couple of months later back at home, um, I, I realized what that experience was. And then a couple of months later, I went to Egypt and I had about five instances where in certain locations 
very, very vivid, detailed memories came up where I had been a different person then, uh, many centuries ago, probably a couple thousand, two or three thousand years ago. And, um, and, and those were very, very vivid happenings. And I kept thinking, how do I know this? Um, what's, what's going on? Where, do, where does that come from? And that got me thinking about past lives and reincarnation for the first time. And then there was a synchronicity that I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if this could somehow be used therapeutically to help people. I was already a licensed psychotherapist and um, was thinking about that. And I wonder if there's a formal way to help people to go back and relive some experiences from previous lifetimes. So one day in the middle of a Saturday afternoon, I just went into the study in my room, in my home, and turned on the television. And I thought, why am I turning on the television? I've never, literally never turned on the television during the daytime. Why am I doing this? I felt I had to do it. And right there on the screen was the most perfect thing. It was a workshop of a woman leading a group of people in what she called past life regressions. Wow. So I watched that program and watched her doing regressions to people's past lives. A whole group of people, they each were having their own individual uh, past life experience. And then I thought, oh, oh, yeah, oh, it's possible to do this thing called regressions, past life regressions. Ah, okay, that's good to know. And then a year after that, when I went to a meditation group one night, which I didn't really even want to go to, but I felt sort of beholden to the hostess who kept inviting me month after month. <laughs> Finally, I decided, okay, I'm going to go and get it over with. But at that meeting, I met a wonderful woman who had founded the Association for Past Life Research and the Therapies, which I had never heard of before. But it was a group of excellent professional therapists who were doing uh, in their practices who were doing past life regression therapy and it just happened synchronistically that they were giving a weekend conference starting the very next day so i went to the conference and was enormously impressed with these therapists who were doing this past life regression therapy work I was so impressed that when they were mentioning <clears throat> that their training for new past life regression therapists was going to start a couple of weeks from them, I immediately signed up and uh, went to five years of their training, which was excellent and wonderful and fascinating, and started doing past life regression therapy. And at the very last module of training, 
which was in 1988, the trainer woman, whom I respected very, very much as a therapist, said something I had never heard of before, which was that those of you who are doing regression therapy need to know that it's possible that sometime somebody might come to you who has had very unusual beings who are not human visit them and take them away for a while. And they might be very confused or baffled, troubled, even traumatized. And when she said that, I had never heard of that before. When she said that, right after she finished saying that, I heard a really loud voice in my own head saying very adamantly, pay attention to this, Barbara. You will be doing this. Whoa. Wow. So I, here I was hearing this whole new thing that some people are taken away by unusual beings who aren't human. And then this insistent voice that I would be doing this work. So I was just stunned. Cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you listened to the voice, that's for sure. And then that was 1988. So for about three years, I found myself not having planned it, but found myself when I was out driving around doing errands that I would automatically go toward a bookstore or a magazine store, hoping to find some information about people being visited by unusual beings who were not from Earth and taken away for a while. In other words, I learned eventually that that's called extraterrestrial or alien abduction. And I and I went to lectures um, where people were talking about that. And uh, it was few and far between, but I went to everything like that that I could. And then in 1991, one day in the shower, I was thinking, free thought time, and I thought, you know, if anybody should ever just happen to come to me for that reason, having had visits with unusual beings who are not human, I think I think I could handle that. I think I could use the regression therapy techniques that I already now am very familiar with and experienced in. And yeah, I think I think I could handle that. Well, another synchronicity was that two hours after thinking that, I was in a metaphysical bookstore and the woman behind the counter said, oh, aren't you Barbara Lamb? Don't you do regression work? And I said, <laughs> yes. And she said, please, would you work with my 21-year-old daughter who is having strange beings visit her many, many nights, and she knows she's taken away, and she is so traumatized, she can hardly function at all. Please, would you work with her? So she was my first experiencer client. 
That's and incredible. After, and she was the one who, after six sessions, said she was privileged and honored to be part of that program of being visited by extraterrestrials. And, and then I thought, well, okay, good. If anybody else comes, um, that would be okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd be open to that. Not really thinking that anybody would. I thought that was a one-time thing. But a few months later, another lady came, and she worked with me for 11 years wow. about her extraterrestrial experiences. And shortly after that, another woman came, and another. And by 1994, I had 17 people, uh, most of them women, who were having these experiences, who were doing regression work with me. And they began to say, is there anybody else who experiences this sort of thing whom I can talk to? And after about four of them meeting individually with me, um, asked about that, I thought, well, yeah, why don't I put together a group of people? So we started an experiencer support group in my home with 17 people who were very clearly um, having these encounter experiences with extraterrestrials. And that group uh, continued from 1994 till 2017 when I moved away from that location. Although I'm still in touch wow. with some of these wonderful people. And now that I am, am in San Diego, I have started an experiencer support group here, which is appreciated by an even larger group of people. And Very then cool. uh, Very cool. the big UFO conferences, like the International UFO Congress, um, in the mid-1990s, I convinced them to let me run an experiencer support group. And that was so appreciated that that particular conference and others now too uh, offer experiencer support groups because a lot of the people who go to UFO congresses or conferences of various types have experienced these encounters with the other beings and they usually feel quite alone in their experiencing that. They very often have nobody to talk to who even wants to hear about it or listen to it or will believe it even oh, yeah. at all. And uh, so they, I think we both can attest to that. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's not a good situation. So they are very, very appreciative. So at the most recent conference, I went to the UFO Megacon in Laughlin, Nevada in uh, March toward the end of March. Um, we not only had an experiencer support group, we had four of us uh, therapists who do this kind of work now um, leading these groups so that anybody who wants to be part of that group had plenty of chances of, of, of going to those groups. We had at least one of those groups every single day of the week-long conference. And, uh, and it is so appreciated by people who experience this, or even people who have reason to wonder if maybe they have had these encounters as well. 
Yeah, and yeah. I think uh, that's the reason most people, like you said, attend these conferences. It's not always about uh, going for the information and the speakers, but you want to talk to other people about your experiences and connect with like-minded people. Uh, yeah. So that that's exactly that. And, you know, th- there's a drive. There's something pulling them other than just, you know, I want to go listen to this information. They're, they know they have a place there in that community. Yeah. Yeah, and you're able to connect with other other people that believe in this stuff, and and you can talk to them about your experiences and and the yeah. things you want to talk about. Whereas most people will either think you're crazy or or you're just into weird stuff. And oh yeah, what a, like <laughs> no 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 yeah no. yeah or or like my family who's super religious, you know, oh aliens, they're all demons, you know, <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to work on my parents with that one. Like, well, yeah, and and I think it's grossly unfair to characterize all extraterrestrial beings as being demonic. Oh yeah. I mean, for sure, there are some of the beings who do things to people that people don't like, mm-hmm. uh, being physically examined and poked and probed and so forth, and yet. I don't think those beings are demonic. I think that they're just very serving of themselves. They they want to learn about how we are composed physiologically. Yeah. But even with some of those uh, procedures that they do that seem frightening to the person, very often those procedures turn out to be actually helpful to the person, believe it or not. In other words, somebody might have one of the beings working on their brain, and it might be said to the person, this has happened a number of times with people I've regressed, it might be said to the person that we are rewiring your brain. Now, that could be very frightening if you're lying there on a table in a spacecraft and these unusual beings who are definitely not human are all around you and and they're doing something with your head and they're saying we're going to rewire Hmm. your brain. I mean, it would be pretty hard to trust that, that that would be okay. But in every case that I know of um, where that's happened to a person, the person has been upgraded. The person's brain has been maybe more able to be psychic or uh, telepathic. Um, In other words, there's an upgrade that has happened. Or maybe with the rewiring of the brain, they now have great healing ability. And some of the procedures that are done on a person's abdomen while the person is lying on a kind of a cold table um, in an unusual round room with bright lights and these unusual beings, uh, that in itself can be frightening, understandably. But very often, they are being healed of some important malady that they have. Yeah. So So a being might be coming toward them with a lighted instrument of some 
type and the person might think, oh, you know, what's going to happen? But but actually it turns out that that lighted wand is actually healing something internally mm-hmm. that's going wrong with the person that the person either did know about previously or didn't know about. So there are lots of healing procedures that are done uh, with abducted people and that they really, really benefit from those healings. There are some pretty spectacular ones that have come through some of the regressions I've done. One of so, one of the things people are afraid of is the unknown. That's fear. Yeah, That's yeah. Just fear of the unknown. You're afraid of the dark because you can't see. You turn a light on, you're not scared. Uh, it, it's just a, that's that's the biggest issue. It, it's not that they're scared of what's happening. It's just because they don't understand what, what's happening. Yeah, that's yeah. What, and that's basically what you just said. Yeah, and that's why the regressions are so helpful uh, because a person might have a little glimpse, a little brief flash of a memory of you know big eyes looking into their eyes, big black eyes or. Uh, strange beings being around them on a table and and they're being examined to some extent and um, and that's of course not welcomed by those people but if they will do a regression and get the details and even sometimes the explanations from the beings themselves about what they're doing it really puts a different light on it and makes the whole thing so much more uh, not only understandable but acceptable to the person who's experienced that sort of things. So one of the things that I find in many of the regressions, I don't remember Tyler if this particular thing happened in yours or not, um, but if the person wonders what's happening to them, what, why the beings are doing this particular thing, I tell them in the regression that they can ask the beings what they're doing and and why. And when they do ask, they always seem to get an answer. And because the beings are telepathic, they get the answer in their minds. They don't hear it out loud with their ears. In other words, we all have some telepathic ability that we haven't really known about in most cases. But um, the answers given by the the extraterrestrial beings really make sense. And then the person so often is grateful because they're being helped in some way. Or sometimes they find out that they are helping somebody else. In other words, uh, one of my clients I did several regressions on, and she she was in my experiencer group for uh, oh, three or four years. Uh, she came in one day for her regression, and she had a straight line scar on her forearm, her right forearm. Just looked like a white line, a, a straight line scar right there, about two inches long. And she knew that she had not had that the previous night. But during the night, she got that scar. It wasn't bleeding or anything. And in fact, it looked like it was healing quite nicely. So we did a regression to the experience of having that straight line scar put on her forearm. 
And what she found out during the regression was that the beings were taking a certain ingredient from that particular vein in her right forearm. And that ingredient, they said, was to help their newborns to survive. So once she realized that, that they weren't just doing some mean, macabre thing to her, but they were taking something from her that was helping to save some of their lives, she felt really okay about that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad to be of help. It wasn't harming her. And the scar eventually faded away. As it turned out, that woman's husband, who actually did more regressions with me, do her his extraterrestrial encounters, he also had an identical straight line white scar on his left forearm. They were both in my experiencer group, so I put the two arms together and and his and hers, and we compared them. They were identical, although on his left arm and hers had been on the right arm. Well, we never did a regression to how he got that scar, but we figured from what the wife had found out that it probably was uh, to take some ingredient from that vein that was helpful to their newborns. So a lot of these species of extraterrestrials have really got into a real concern and worry about the fact that they have been losing their ability to reproduce. In other words, their species is beginning to die out. And that is a very big reason for their uh, choosing humans to create hybrids with, uh, because the hybrids would have a better chance of living since they were part human. And those are the hybrids that I believe I mentioned earlier who are continuing to live on the ships, the UFOs with the beings, or to live on their planets. Sure, so sure. Many yeah. people who've been realizing that they have hybrid children from these encounters, um, when they realize that, oh, these hybrid children are helping to save a whole race of beings, they feel better about it. Yeah. They feel they're contributing, they had not consciously agreed to, but that they are being very helpful to other beings in the universe. Well, Barbara... No, I just want, no, I just, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say we're kind of uh, we're going a little over our normal time limit, and I'm just gonna wonder if we can maybe start to wrap things up a little bit. I I don't mean to cut you off. I feel like I love listening to you. I feel like uh, oh, I'm glad, I, yeah. I feel like my grandma's telling me bedtime stories. You know, I could listen to you all night. <laughs> uh, uh, these are unusual bedtime stories. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we've we've gone a little over our our typical uh, time limit. So, um, is there any any last things you'd like to close with or uh, tell us? Are are you not speaking at another uh, event coming up uh, shortly? Yes, I am. Um, in the middle of May, I will be at the Pine Ridge 
Indian reservation um, in South Dakota and uh, for a conference, Consciousness and Contact Conference. Oh, and wow. uh, Lee Strieber will be there speaking. I will be speaking. Linda Moulton Howe, Mary Rodwell. I mean, a, a really excellent group of speakers, more, even more than I'm mentioning. And um, it'll be right on the Pine Ridge Reservation where the big pipeline demonstrations happened. Um, yeah. Back. Oh, yeah. Um, so we will have Native Americans participating with us, and uh, we will have a sky watch at the Badlands National Monument, which will be very interesting and um, a uh, very special Native American dinner on Sunday. So it's the middle weekend of May, and the conference is called Consciousness and contact, I think that there would still be room for additional people if they would like to go to it. So I recommend that you look that up on the internet. And yeah. I will be speaking at a um, an, an expo, the Awake and Aware Expo in Detroit, Michigan, uh, in the middle of August. And I will be speaking at the Sasquatch Conference in Chihuahua, Washington State. And that when was is that one? Very, very end of uh, August and beginning of September. Uh, so those will be very interesting events. And there'll be other events after that, I'm sure, too. Um, Portal, Portal yeah. to Ascension, I saw you on the list for that one, which is yeah, in October. Yeah. In October, yes. In, Southern California. Yeah, yeah. Irvine. Good. Yeah. And I'll be going to the contact in the desert, contact oh, yeah. at the end of May, beginning of June, and um, to the Starworks conference in November in Laughlin, Nevada. So I, I love to go to these events and uh, meet the experiencers and hear the other people's research. I think we all have a wonderful opportunity to learn from each other. In other words, I learn a lot about the whole UFO phenomenon and the uh, technology and the sightings and things of that sort from other people who are researching that. And hopefully they can learn from me about people's personal experiences with the beings. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Thank you for all that. If, if you guys picked up on any of that, go check out one of these conferences. Uh, um, I would love that the, the most recent or the, the, the one coming up, the next one you talked about, the Indian one or on the Indian uh, uh, reservation. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, that one sounds very fascinating to me. Oh, I, love, yeah. I love Native American uh, culture and history. Oh. Um, I wonder how far that one is from me. I'm in Kansas. So it's uh-huh. just north of me. Oh, good. So I might yeah. actually be able to go to that, yeah. Go look yeah. up quickly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it's be a really, really good one, right? And it's very much aimed toward um, people's contact encounter experiences with oh, yeah. the terrestrial beings rather than, um, you know, UFO technology and so forth. It, it's more of the personal 
aspect that's going to be emphasized. That's awesome. Ooh, well, yeah. that's that's right up my alley anyway. So <laughs> more than yeah. the I mean, I love the technology and all that too, but yeah, I definitely like that even more for sure. Oh, good. I hope you'll be able to make it. Yeah. All right. Barbara, well, thanks for uh, coming on and doing this for us. It's been amazing. Uh, yes, just, thank you so much. You are just a wealth of information. I don't know how you retain all that, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> you're a beautiful, you're, you're a very beautiful soul. You're genuine and pure. I can just tell. Uh, <laughs> I, and I think uh, I think what you're doing is fantastic. And the fact that you are still active in the community and going to these events is just a huge testimony to, you know, what you're actually doing. So thanks again for everything. And, uh, it's been great having you. And I guess we're just going to wrap it up with that unless you have any last things you want to say, Aaron. No, just thank you so much for coming on. You've been amazing. Um, it's, it was a blessing listening to you talk and share, share all your stories. I might mention my website. Oh, absolutely. It's way out of date, but it still exists. I must find somebody to help me upgrade it, um, update it. But it's uh, the website is Barbara Lamb, L-A-M-B. So it's Barbara Lamb, M-F-T dot com. Barbara Lamb, M-F-T dot com. Okay, uh, and if you need help with that, I'm sure if if you if you're interested, Aaron or I could either one of us could probably help you uh, get that up to date. Um, oh, great! Yeah, yeah. I get to hook up with somebody to. All these conferences come and go that I speak at, and interesting material, and I I don't know how to put it on there myself. Low <laughs> tech as I am. Yeah. <laughs> I have someone in mind in particular that I know can help. Um, she would be great. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, anyway, thanks for thanks for coming on. And I guess we're just gonna wrap it up. Uh, good night. And uh, I guess we'll just. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. We'll be we'll be keeping an eye out for you. Okay. Great. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Very pleased with what you're doing. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. It means a lot. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, good night. Good night. Good night.